Well, hello, everybody. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whatever time you're hearing the show, we welcome you. This is Sip, Smoke, and Savor. It's show number 11. This is the show uh, that's all about craft beer, craft spirits, and fine cigars. My name is Cruz, my co-host Ian Barry, and uh, Bobby Duncan is the producer. We are so glad to have all of you listening and so glad to uh, to basically report, because I think there are people who bet as to whether we'll make it back every week. Like <laughs> All these guys do is come on and smoke and drink. There, there's no way they're going to be in there no, for a long No, we're here to stay. Because yeah. we're, <laughs> so, we're going to do this whether the radio program is on or that's not. That's right. We've already decided that if something were to happen to the show, that Ian and I are just going to get together one week at his place, the next week at mine, and pretend. That yeah, like if the zombie apocalypse happens That's everyone's right. going to academy and walmart we're going to stogies and just let me let me just say the zombie apocalypse will happen and when it does <laughs> i'm hoping i have a well-stocked humidor because it's going to become right. really hard That's to right. get uh you know in all the zombie shows and the zombie movies you see them you know be able to like find abandoned liquor stores and be able to occasionally treat themselves to you know a bottle of something good but you never see them like scavenging cigars. That's what you're gonna never have to happen. find the cigar so, shops yes, first. Yes, that's right. You'd be like, "Where are you going? I'm getting food and water. Where are you going? I know serious cigars is around here somewhere, <laughs> man." <laughs> oh man, welcome to the show. It is um, it's it's beautiful. Uh, it's wonderful to uh, be here and be celebrating everything. And one of the reasons I'm in such a good mood is that uh, Ian and I both attended the uh, Brewmasters uh, Craft Beer festival in Galveston. That was a blast. Uh, and it was so much fun. So I want to talk about that a little bit today. Want to uh, get your, you know, get your thoughts on it. We're going to see what see what you thought, what you tasted maybe that you really liked, thought was worthwhile there. We'll do beer tastings today. We have a couple of great beers. Well, I assume they're great. I haven't tried either of them. A couple of beers I'm very excited about tasting. One is from uh, the Texas Beer Refinery in Dickinson, Texas. It's a Mexican IPA. I'm I believe sure. I actually tried that at the festival. Okay, so we'll talk about that, too. That's good. Uh, and then we have from uh, Austin's infamous brewing company, their Pumpkin Massacre, which is their fall seasonal beer. And just the name alone is worth a bottle. I bought it because it had Massacre in the name. I'm, I won't lie to you. I was like, this is worth trying. We may love it. We may hate it. But uh, we're definitely going to try it. Plus, uh, David Allardyce is here with us today. He's from Glenfiddich. And we will be talking about... Uh, whiskey. We'll be tasting uh, whiskey. In fact, I'm going to let him explain because this is a little beyond my whiskey understanding. He's here, got a lot going on. Yeah, he's got a one. lot going on. It's going to be really, really great. And then, of course, we're going to be talking about uh, the Whiskeys of the World event, which is uh, coming up in downtown Houston, and we want to encourage you to be there. So we'll be getting to all of that. I think it's going to be a jam-packed show, and I'm really excited. Plus, some of the whiskey's already been poured, and I can smell it over here. And it's, <laughs> Oh, man. This is... Uh, I, I love this show. Can I just tell you? I love this show. This is a lot of fun. You can find us on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash sip, smoke, and savor. And we encourage you to uh, jump in and follow us. And, you know, we'll post cool pictures of, you know, cigars and stuff like that. It's, you know, it's one of those things that if you're into it, you'll love it. And that's just the way it is. So speaking of cigars, Ian, did you uh, smoke anything interesting this I week? I did. Just last night, I oh, had a Flor Dominica LFD oh, Lenox, yeah. <laughs> which loosely translates into the Knox. Okay, that's a joke. Which translates into the night. <laughs> the night. And yes. this had the darkest, uh, gnarliest Brazilian Maduro wrapper I think I've ever seen. It now, was I, 
I so cool. Saw you post a, a, a photo of a cigar on the Facebook page, and That's the one. you just said one word. It said research. Yes, that was the one. Though. <laughs> That's research for the program. Because <laughs> I, I had not, I had not seen that cigar before, so I was like, "What is that?" Yeah. Like, and immediately, it's well, like, I, I had an opportunity. I, I finished up a rehearsal last night, and my friend that I was at rehearsal with said, "Hey, is it a good night for a cigar night?" And I said, "Well, what night isn't?" <laughs> I, was gonna I say, said, "However, you caught the- me saying cigars, so you are going to decide what I'm talking about on my program." Mm. Nice. So, so he dug deep. And that's found something that's good. yeah. That's what he got out for him. It was fantastic. So, like I said, it had the, it had this just incredibly dark. And I'm assuming that's where they get the uh, the name from. This incredibly night, dark right. Brazilian yeah. wrapper on it. It was uh, it was it had a great toothy kind of feel to it. Mm-hmm. It smoked really well. It smoked nice and cool. Um, a little on the bigger side. Lots of pepper in the flavor, and uh, but not pepper like leaves you like you just ate a bunch of spicy mm-hmm. food kind mm-hmm. of pepper. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a really, really enjoyable cigar. It smoked for at least an hour and a half, and it was really? a Churchill. Yeah, it was. And a, how long was it? It was. It was a Churchill. It was a Churchill. So, okay, so. Yeah. but it was a little smaller rings gauge uh, Churchill. I think it was a by forty eight uh, Churchill. So that's what seven by forty eight. You know, this uh, it occurs to me that we haven't done a cigar one hundred and one segment in a while, and a good one for us to do would be on sizes, sizes of cigars, and shapes. What, yeah, what constitutes a particular size and shape? So okay, so we'll a standard a Churchill yeah. is like seven by fifty usually, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, or in the neighborhood. But this was a little bit skinnier, as a seven by forty eight ring gauge. And, I like, see, and I man, like it these just smaller smoked, ring gauges though. It smoked so slow and and so cool, and, and you did have to tend it a little bit, but also mm-hmm. I didn't have any runs or anything. Smoke so even all the way down. The first uh, third of this cigar was uh, nice and bright and peppery, and then it kind of warmed into a little more earthy tones. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, in the in the middle of the cigar, and I smoked it down until it was probably only about an inch and a half long, wow, and wow. it never got bitter. Uh, and I even That's had to great. do a relight once through, and it, no penalty on a relight. That, that was really I nice. love when that happens right. because I'm I, I almost never make it through an entire cigar without at least one. Uh, you know, I'm about fifty fifty on that. Yeah, yeah. So. so, so it's it's good when you don't get penalized. It, it sucks when you're really enjoying a cigar. It's like, oh man, this flavors are great, and then you know the phone rings, something happens, you have right. to put it down. You go back to it, you relight. It, you're like, oh man, that was <laughs> I was so enjoying that. And now it's got this, you know, little yeah. And certain flavor. ones, certain ones will definitely get bitter as soon as you relight mm-hmm. it. But yep. I've had I've had pretty good luck recently with most of my choices. That's great. That's so, great. How Sound, about you? Sounds like a great cigar. I, I had never seen that one before. It was. So I, I would had, definitely buy uh, buy those again. Cool. Uh, I had a pretty interesting cigar. I had smoked this particular uh, brand and name before, but never this exact size. I smoked the Alec Bradley Tempest Quadrum Box Press Robusto. Now, the Alec Bradley Tempest line I've, I've thought was fantastic. They're outstanding In anyway. In fact, yeah. they were named, uh, I think... Was it 2014, 2013 Cigar of the Year by Cigar Aficionado Magazine, as I recall? Wasn't this size and shape. I think it was a larger one. But uh, I had uh, kind of been saving this one in the humidor for a little while. So I uh, sparked this up actually down at the beach. And uh, we spent some time at the beach this last week. So I, uh, I sparked this baby up. And one of the things that is interesting about this particular one is that there are actually two Alec Bradley Tempest Quadrum Robustos. There's one that's box pressed and one that's not. So you can you can find you know either of them. In this case, it was the box press, and I really really liked it. It was medium bodied. It was very smooth, very creamy. And this is going to sound like a contradiction, but it was very smooth and very creamy. And then it had this little tiny tinge 
of pepper on the finish, which was so like almost in contrast to the smoothness and the the creaminess of the cigar. And just a kiss of spice on the end. Yes, and I think it. I think without that, I would have almost said mild to medium in terms of the the power of the cigar. But that sort of like jumped it into that you know full not a full body but definitely a medium body but really nice with the flavors some woody notes even a little hint of molasses in there somewhere almost a a, a sort of a deep syrupy uh, molasses sort of sweetness. So, You're making me have to uh, go back and revisit the Tempest. I haven't had one in a while. You know, I hadn't smoked one in quite a while, and I remember thinking that someone had mentioned that they hadn't kept the quality as high on them as you know time had gone by. I would say that's certainly not the case with this one, at least. It was fantastic. So I'd give it about... Uh, uh, it's about an eight dollar cigar, I'd say, on our price to quality scale. I'd give it about a seven. I think it was. Uh, I think it was just, you know, for for an eight dollar cigar, it's, it would be a, you know, reasonably hard to beat. It would definitely be up in that upper echelon uh, there. So a seven may be too conservative. It's probably probably even better than that. So. Alec Bradley's done some pretty good blends over the years. I bought uh, specifically for floating on the river. Every once in a while, I buy a cigar like this, mm-hmm. and they had one called a Max. Mm. And it was a nine-inch cigar. I've had the Max cigar. Those are good. Yeah, yes. they they made a nine-inch version of that, which smoked for about two and a half hours, <laughs> which was perfect for floating down the river because now, that was about the length of the trip. Now, how often do you do the float down the river with a large cigar? At uh, least once a year, once but a year? sometimes okay. more if I can get away with it. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I know because you mentioned it on the past show, this yes, year's yes. float down the river cigar was was one you really enjoyed. So. That was the uh, uh, the vault. That was the vault. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right, F. That was the F R O F R O Vault. That's F-R-O what that was. Vault. Yeah. Well, you uh, you talked about how it was still going when you got off. That the tube one and might got have actually water. just kicked my butt. That <laughs> one was still going when I got out, and with a substantial amount of cigar left. Oh well, I tell you, um, those cigars that you can really you kind of put through the ringer in a case like that. You know what I mean? And and they stay with you. That's that's I would say most of the cigars that I wind up smoking are a little more delicate than that. You know, <laughs> they wouldn't they wouldn't quite hold up to the to the rigors of that. Well, you know, when I'm out there on a the river and I'm drinking whatever canned beer is available, I'm not necessarily looking for the the most delicate of cigars. Well, either. that's true. And the same goes for smoking at the beach, by the way, because yes. uh, the wind that comes off of the water can really play havoc. Sometimes you that's not the place you want to break out that uh, uh, you know that Padron Anniversario that you've mm-hmm. been saving and let the wind just sort of cause you to smoke it really fast. Right. Because the wind really can keep the cigar you know it'll, it'll burning faster, superheated, yeah. and sometimes make things a little harsh. But certain cigars are better about holding up in that. And I will say the Alec Bradley Tempest uh, held up just fine. Uh, in the in the breeze and stuff, so I, I rather enjoyed it, and uh, and I would recommend it uh, pretty highly. So, uh, all right, we have a lot to talk about on this show. Does sound affect the taste of beer? An article in Houston Chronicle from a week and a half or so ago uh, suggests that it might. We'll talk I think about the band that. you're listening to might. But I, go ahead. <laughs> well, that's kind of what I'm getting at here, but we'll uh, we'll get to that. Plus, uh, uh, David from Glenfiddich will join us in the next segment, and we're going to be very excited to begin doing some whiskey tasting. It's sip, smoke, and savor. Craft beer, craft spirits, and fine cigars. Ian Barry and Cruz. We'll be right back.
on the beach in Hawaii. Or Galveston. You know, Galveston, Hawaii, same, you know. Galveston was good. A lot, lot of similarities. Welcome back to Sip, Smoke, and Savor. My name is Cruz. My co-host and friend Ian Barry is with me. We are just a couple of guys who enjoy smoking and drinking, and uh, we like to talk about it. You know, the only thing that's really almost as good as actually doing it is talking about yeah, it. Yeah, and so. if we get too technical, you can always send us an email at <laughs> sipsmokeandsaver if at I, gmail.com. If I get too technical, you can just color me surprised. If I get too technical, we just haven't had enough to drink yet. That's right. Well, you you really know this stuff, though, because <laughs> you, you can get pretty technical. So, uh, Speaking of getting technical or not, a great event is coming to the greater Houston area if you are interested in whiskey. Now, you may be an aficionado, you may be a novice, maybe somewhere in between, but Whiskeys of the World is going to be an amazing event, and it's happening in downtown Houston Saturday, October the 1st. We're going to be involved. We'll actually be recording a show there uh, live, so we're, we're really kind of stoked about this. That's going to be a blast. There's going to be uh, guys from... Like virtually every whiskey company that you can think yeah, of. Yeah, this on, is a long list. Yeah, sampling their wares. There's going to be uh, an impressive collection of uh, displays and special guests. And there's even, I understand, going to be a whole thing about pairings and uh, and even like a cigar area. So it's uh, you know you had me at whiskeys, but right. you know if you uh, if you want to keep going, I'll be all that much more excited. Yeah, when you so. bring cigars into it, you can't get rid of me at that point. <clears throat> yeah, if you want to purchase tickets, go to whiskeysoftheworld.com slash Houston. And uh, there are also, if you're listening from outside the uh, greater Houston area, special room rates and ticket packages available from the Hyatt Regency, which is where the whole thing is being held. So it's really a good thing, and we encourage you to participate in it. I love these kind of festivals and events. Now, we have a coupon code on that, too, don't uh, we? Yes, we do, and this is good until the 10th, so it depends on when you are hearing the show. Uh, But there is a a 20% special if you use uh, the code SSS. For sip, smoke, and savor. That's right. At checkout, so uh, you're welcome to do that. And hopefully, you heard this in time and got to save yourself some cash. But even if you don't, even if you miss it late, this is well worth, uh, well worth the money. And it's like uh, it's it's one of those things where, especially if you've always wanted. I don't know how it is for you, Ian, but when I'm in the whiskey aisle at Specs or or anywhere else, and I'm standing there looking, and everything looks so good, and you're just like. What do I want to try? And then you know you're looking at the prices, and some of them okay, some of them are you know relatively inexpensive. Then you're looking at other ones. You're like, wow, this looks good. I'm I'm reading the label. The description sounds great, but it's you know it's sixty four dollars. Am I going to drop sixty four dollars? And then what if I just think it's okay? You know? And then I've got this huge bottle of of whiskey, and of course it can be a lot more than sixty four dollars too. So oh yeah, it gets up there real fast. So sixty four dollars yeah. is conservative for yeah. a scotch. Well, absolutely, especially if you're talking <laughs> like a single malt or you're talking about you know something that's really really special. So, uh, so one of the things I love about these kind of events is that you get to sample that so many different difference. things, and then you can make your own notes and go, okay, when I'm standing in that aisle, here's the three or four that I loved that I am really looking for. Or here's the 13 or 14 that I loved. Yeah, make sure you really write those down, for, you because know? after you try 20 of them, it will get a little befuddling. <laughs> yes, this is true. So speaking of trying whiskey, we are excited because uh, David Otterdice uh, from uh, Glenfiddich is here. David, did I did I pronounce the last name right? Perfectly, all, all yes. that Perfectly, okay. Uh, I'm going to ask you to scoot up to the mic a little bit there, and we want to welcome you to uh, Sip, Smoke, and Savor. David is with Glenfiddich. He's brought... Uh, Whiskey to taste, but uh, first of all, 
I, I can tell by your accent, I'm thinking Fredericksburg, Texas. Is that where you're from? Uh, just north of Dallas, <laughs> just north of Dallas. Uh, so, uh, so are you uh, are you originally from uh, uh, the, the homeland? Uh, I am, yes. The, gr- the whiskey homeland. I grew up about three hours' drive south of the Glenfiddich Distillery, oh. and then, funnily enough, uh, moved to Texas in two thousand and five, and only got into the whiskey business after I moved after to Texas. Moving to Texas, really. So was it big? Uh, was it major culture shock moving to Texas of all places? You know, it didn't feel like it at the time, but I think as time goes on, you start to realize how different things can be mm-hmm. socially and culturally. Right. But um, it's not a million miles away from home in terms mm-hmm. of uh, you know the culture, but definitely a little bit different. People, people are maybe a little bit more uh, polite here. <laughs> really, <laughs> and then if you go back to Scotland, people are a little bit more blunt. Yeah. So I fit into the category of blunt, and maybe ha- had to kind of. Re, re, retouch how I, th- I how honestly I, I think that's a Texas thing I don't think people are as yeah, polite everywhere no. in the US it's more of a yeah the I south and, and Texas in, in particular just people seem to be a little more polite but, absolutely uh, there's nothing wrong with that yeah well I know that when Texans go to other countries people love the accents like oh that accent is so great it's so interesting but that's the way we are about your accent it We're goes like, both ways just keep talking yeah it's, 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 it's great it has its benefits so how did you get into the whiskey business before we uh, do our tasting uh, uh, you moved to texas to get in uh, to get into the business of working with the whiskey that you used to live really close to i know uh, it's weird how, how things work out sometimes i was a web designer and a dj mm-hmm. um still do the dj part mm-hmm. don't really miss the web design part yeah and uh, had a friend that worked for our company william grant and sons mm-hmm. sharon is her name and uh, she introduced me to glenfiddich 15 year old Mm-hmm. Uh, in a bar in Dallas. The actual whiskey you're talking about. The actual yeah. whiskey. And uh, once I tasted it, I realized that this was something that I needed to get into. And <laughs> I was only 20. It's a beautiful moment, isn't it, Ian? Yeah. 26 yeah. or 27 years old at the yeah. time. And so that wasn't back then a really common thing to drink at that age. Right. I think the age has dropped significantly for whiskey drinkers now. And I think that's true. 25 yeah. is probably a common age to get into it. Mm-hmm. So I ended up really enjoying it. Went to the distillery about a year later. After had been doing a few local events in Dallas mm-hmm. and fell in love with it, and this is a, it sounds cheesy, but this is something that happens to so many people that they go to the distillery. It's a huge brand, well known all over the world. Mm-hmm. But when you go, step foot in the grounds of the distillery and you see how it's all made, it blows people away to see how uh, a well known brand of such a scale can actually be still made in a very traditional way. I was going to say it, it it's more handcrafted than you might right. think. Based on the size and the scope of the brand, I, I bet, right? The word craft is, is really overused these days, mm-hmm. um, and there's no official uh, limit on right. how, how big a craft uh, product can, can be made. Well, if you're talking about something like a single malt scotch or even single barrel scotch, which we'll uh, talk about what those terms actually mean uh, uh, here in a little bit on the show, but you are talking about something that does have a certain amount of limitation to its... You know, just by the nature of what it is, it's only one year. It's only one, you know, uh, barrel or or one, you know, particular, um, you know, one particular distillery in in a case like this. Where, uh, it's, so I don't think it's it's not quite as mass produced as something you think like mainstream beer, for example, right. which can be made in a lot of different bottler bottling companies at a lot of different places around. Yeah, the world. a lot of the macro brews just have mm-hmm. a have a place that brews in every town. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or every other town. Yeah, that the, the thing with single malt whiskey, the word single stands for one distillery. So right. you can't open up another branch in another country 
and certainly with Scotch whisky, single malt Scotch whisky, the entire process has to happen within Scotland. Within Scotland, right? So you're you're. Glenfiddich single malt Scotch whisky is only made at that one Glenfiddich distillery. How old is the Glenfiddich distillery? Uh, it was built in 1886. It was completed <laughs> in 1887. We were not the first single malt distillery in Scotland, right? Uh, but we are one of the few that still family run. Wow! The same family, fifth generation, now is running the company to this day independently. That's impressive, Love which that. is incredible. And we've got um, some other great. Uh, spirits in the portfolios. Mm-hmm. Uh, our neighbour next door is Balvenie. Balvenie, um, yes. Which, speaking of whiskies in the world, uh, my colleague and good friend Jonathan Wingo is going to be doing a masterclass at the event. At the Whiskies of the so World event, yes. You have to sign up for that prior, but I don't think it's an extra charge. I might be wrong, but um, you can go sample all these other brands, then you can go and get an in-depth class from Jonathan on the Balvenie. So that I would highly recommend that if you're going to the event. Whiskiesoftheworld.com slash Houston. You can get all the details on that and find that's out what right. you need Keep to know. That's SSS. Yes. Yeah, yes. so the, the company started in 1887 with Glenfiddich mm-hmm. and now has expanded to be a spirits portfolio. So we've got Rekha Vodka, Hendrix Gin, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're primarily, we started as a whiskey company. And uh, Glenfiddich is available in pretty much every country in the world, I would guess, almost. Pretty much. Yeah. If, if you find the bar that... that carries scotch whiskey you typically find at least our 12 year old you know in the iconic mm-hmm. green bottle but we've expanded the line over the years and we have all the way up to 50 year old now wow and you talk about cost of product um a bottle of 12 year old is roughly 40 dollars a bottle right for a 750 mm-hmm. uh, the 50 year old we get about six of those in the u.s every year and that goes up to about thirty-two thousand dollars a bottle Thirty-two thousand. so you get six bottles of that roughly uh in the u.s we, we every release, year yeah we release 50 a year globally and about wow. six or seven will come to the u.s so wow. have you been allowed to taste any of them absolutely different? i've set up a, a couple of events in texas where we sampled 20 guests on the 50 year old wow that's um, so cool and we're, we actually have something in the works um coming up hopefully early next year in houston to do another one so maybe we shouldn't ask this before we taste this but can you really tell the difference to your palate when you drink that 50 year old versus say drinking you know a, a, a 12 or a 20 yeah it's huge i mean the complexity you get with a, a well-made older whiskey mm-hmm. the time it's spent in the oak uh, it really develops this really long finish on the palate and the taste evolves on your palate for 10, 10 15 minutes mm-hmm. wow so it's, it's a journey and it's also you know it's an incredible experience to sample something and just think about how long ago that whiskey was laid down right that this was actually made it was put together was crafted to use the overused word 50 years ago it's yeah. 14 years older than myself <laughs> but i was drinking a whiskey the other night a 36 th- year old glenfiddich and uh, i was pretty sad because it's now becoming even more difficult I just turned 36. It's becoming more difficult to drink whiskey older than myself. (laughs) (laughs) But not impossible. All right. So we're going to try some. I don't know if it'll be older than you, but we're going to try some when we come back in the next segment, do a little tasting, and we'll have you kind of guide us through the proper way to do uh, whiskey tasting. Not that Ian doesn't already know, but... uh, I can always use a little brushing. We'll be right back. It's Sip, Smoke, and Savor on Radio Brave.
You're listening to Sip, Smoke, and Savor. My name is Cruz. Ian Barry is here with me and our guest, David Allardyce from Glenfiddich. I was uh, um, excited. We were talking uh, during the break, excited about uh, the Whiskies of the World event, which is coming up in Houston uh, on Saturday, October the 1st. Uh, you can go to whiskiesoftheworld.com slash Houston for details on this thing, but it, it, you really have to go. I mean, if you're sitting there, if you're at work or uh, someplace where you're in front of a computer, you got to go check this out because once you look, you're going to be like, oh, I'm so there. I have to go because yeah. I'm going to be working. Yes, yes, you have to And by go. working, I mean, you know, doing a program and well, tasting a lot of I, I said to my whiskey. wife, uh, I say this to her quite frequently, like, if I ever complain about my job, you know, you just have permission to smack me. <laughs> yeah, it's over at that point. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I can complain about a lot of things, but not about this. So uh, so anyway, the uh, the Whiskies of the World event is going to be a lot of fun. And you go to whiskiesoftheworld.com slash Houston. Uh, while it lasts, and try it anyway. What can it yeah, hurt? Yeah, I'd try it until the last Try that anyway. to SSS as the discount code. That's right. And you may be able to uh, uh, to get yourself a little bit of a discount on your tickets there. And it's well worth it. Um, David Allardyce from uh, Glenfiddich is here with us. Fascinating conversation in the last break. And then, Ian, you had stepped out to uh, go to the boys' room, and we were talking during the break, and he told me that Glenfiddich and Alec Bradley – have sort of like teamed up on some uh, pairings and stuff, and they're working wow, together. Uh, David, nice. do, do you mind telling that story again? Yeah, so we we, we met up with Alec Bradley um, in Vegas. It was actually a partnership between... Uh, By the way, your job doesn't suck either, let me just say. Yeah, so it, it was a conversation. <laughs> yeah, I was, ask how you got that at some point, but go ahead with the Cigars, story. scotch, and the golf course. It's, <laughs> that's how beautiful friendships start, right? Yeah, right. And uh, now we have spent some time... Um, Many hours researching yes. uh, with with Alan Rubin, uh, the owner of Alec Bradley, and some of the other folks there, um, to create an entire range of pairings for the Glenfiddich twelve year old all the way up to the forty year old. That is wow. exciting! How awesome is and that? It was funny how you started the show talking about the Tempest Quadrum, yes. which I actually haven't tried that one, but we the whiskey we're about to taste is a component of the twenty one year old Glenfiddich, which is a rum cask, mm-hmm. and it's actually paired with the Tempest Natural. Really, that's nice. that's fascinating. So, so is this something that is going to be on the website? Is it going to be the focus of different like events you can go to? How are you going to release this information about the pairings? Well, the pairings are something that that really just came about uh, in the last few months, and we've done some. I'll work in certain markets with Alec Bradley salespeople, uh, and we'll do pairing events for consumers. We did one at Stogie's not too long ago. Love that place. Yeah, that place um, is fun. And so we'll continue to do that, but I don't know, we don't have a, a strict plan of how we're going to uh, market this. It's, it's kind of been a very organic um, I like, partnership. I like when, it's great when something actually starts as, wouldn't this be a cool idea, as opposed to starts as, how are we going to market this product? You know what I'd I mean? I'd love to have a, a list of that as reference for our I have it right here. Oh, yeah, you are for, the man. For our page, so too. I will share. So let's get to the tasting because we got in such a good conversation in the last segment. We actually didn't start the tasting, and I've been smelling this for a while. Also, now, because and I'm very scotch. excited. Yeah, okay. <laughs> absolutely. So, so uh, David, tell us what we're tasting, and you you said something interesting that it was a component of. Yes. So I'm doing a tasting tonight, which is known as a deconstruction. A deconstruction means that you take the individual cask components. So, for example, not all whiskies are aged the same way. Okay. Our 21-year-old is aged differently from our 12-year-old. Now, what do you mean when you say aged differently? Obviously, a different length of time, but what else? 
in a different style of oak, a different type of oak. Okay. So American oak, which is an ex-bourbon barrel, mm-hmm. typically, is going to be the most common way that Scotch whiskey is aged. The second most common would be a European oak, mm-hmm. which used to hold sherry. And there's often plays on that using port pipes, mm-hmm. which used to hold port. Right. And things like rum casks, mm-hmm. which used to hold rum. Right. So you get the idea here. And so what we've done is we've actually taken the 21-year-old Glenfiddich that's been aged for its entire length of 21 years in mm-hmm. bourbon casks, picks up a lot of vanilla, sweetness, toffee, caramel, and a lot of fruit from the Glenfiddich distillate. And then we put it into a rum cask that we've seasoned on site by bringing rum to Scotland, filling some empty bourbon barrels up with the rum, seasons the, the cask for about four or five months, we empty the rum back out, the 21-year-old goes into the rum cask and it sits there and it just picks up a little bit of a, a hint of flavour from the rum. And then after about four or five months, we take it out and we bottle it. So, so is this is this a cask you're using straight from uh, uh, fr- straight from <coughs> bourbon was last in it and then you put the rum in it? or is Correct. This a, All of these so casks. fresh cask, so to speak. They, they started so in the speak. US. They had bourbon in them. They came to Scotland empty. We filled them with spirit. We leave them for so many years. And then sometimes... The rum doesn't go to waste, does it? The rum does not. There's probably somebody... This gets sold back to the broker. There's probably somebody running around selling this rum, telling the story of how Glenfiddich used this rum. It's bourbon bourbon barrel rum now. bourbon barrel rum, exactly. So instead of just bringing the 21-year-old for you today, which you can buy anywhere, uh, this is the 21-year-old before it goes into rum cask. So it's a cask strength. It's 55% alcohol, approximately. Uh, which is much higher than you would typically find in a bottle in the store. Yeah. So I always like to add water to the whiskey uh, mm-hmm. regardless, but I always suggest tasting it first, seeing how it sits in your palate. Is it hot? Is it really hot? Or is it just right? But typically I find that nine times out of ten, you're going to have a little splash of water is going to help to... It opens it up, right? Yeah, people yeah. say it opens it up. It helps to reduce that, that little heat that you get. Mm-hmm. You want to have the heat. But you don't want it to be a challenge. You want it to be just right for you. And we're all four of us are going to have it at a different level. So we're probably all going to add different amounts of water. Well, that's interesting because you don't want the heat to be such that it takes away from your enjoyment of the flavor, That's right? exactly right. Yeah. Because, you know, mm-hmm. the, the heat is a, a component of the experience, but it mm-hmm. shouldn't be the experience. It should be the right amount. It's kind of like... Plus, if if you if you quote unquote burn your tongue, you're not really getting a lot of flavor sometimes well, that's right. after that. Correct. Too. Now, where we're in Texas... We're in a warm part of the, the world. Mm-hmm. Scotland is not very warm, as you know. So we tend not to put ice in it over there. But there's nothing wrong with putting ice. Just think about something like a hot apple pie coming out the the oven, all the aroma coming off of it. If you take that same pie from the freezer before you cook it, there's no aroma coming from it. Right. And 95% of your taste comes from your nose. So if you can't smell something, it's very difficult to taste it. Therefore, putting mm-hmm. a lot of ice in your whiskey is not necessarily wrong. But you're going to take a lot of that flavor away. And that's just a fact. Um, so if you like to drink it that way, by all means, please do. You know, a lot of times I go with a cube of ice and let it melt. That's in a nice compromise. And when it starts warming up, because I'll roll it in my hands, and when it starts yep. warming up, then I get the flavors back. Yep. So mm-hmm. I get it cooled down a little bit, but I start getting that exactly. nose and everything. So, um, so this first taste, then, this is the 21 year, but this is directly out of... The say again it's, exactly. This, this what, is a sample pulled straight from the cask, right? Direct a bourbon the cask, cask mm-hmm. from one of our warehouses. Uh, so you can't buy this component. This is literally one of the components that goes into the finished product. Right. 
And this is part of what you show off at the deconstruction events that you exactly. do. Exactly. Okay. So this is fantastic. Ian, you've it's, already, yes, you've already well, sampled. I'm, where I'm you, already where getting, you at, brother? I'm already getting through it. It's, it's delicious. It's got some heat to it, like you say. Um, I'm tasting some. You said toffee in there yep. earlier. Mm. I was thinking caramel, but toffee's a better word for that. And there's yes. also a little chocolate to it. Like There's so many things. The very, is, there's a lot of stuff going on. I find that this is a, an interesting procedure because you taste the, the individual components and in a second we'll taste the rum mm-hmm. and then when you taste the finished product you see the expertise of the the malt master or malt master's name is brian kinsman and the, the malt masters are, are so talented and, and this is a great way of showcasing that talent so just out of curiosity and is it because it would be too confusing what would keep you from releasing this because this is fantastic like what, this is just an idea that's come f- for us to showcase the whiskey in its rawest form and mm-hmm. to break down the, the... We can talk about the procedures, but to actually show and have people taste the components, mm-hmm. it, it, the idea is that it's, it's going to give some extra value to the experience. Uh, and it's really set aside for the con- connoisseurs and the whiskey uh, geeks. So can I taste the individual flavors more more distinctly in this than if I... Had brought home a bottle of the 21-year-old? Well, the 21-year-old is going to have that rum cask influence on it, right. which you're not going to get with this component. Mm-hmm. Uh, so once we taste the rum, then you, you're starting to see the two extremes, the, mm-hmm. the, the fruitiness and the vanilla in the American oak bourbon cask, mm-hmm. and then the kind of brown sugar component from the rum. And then once you taste the 21 finished product, you're just blown away by the silky smoothness of it. Right, it'll be a smoother uh, experience it than w- this one. It will be, because maybe the flavors are really distinct. It's here. the same as any recipe. Once yeah. the once the, the the pieces are all put together, that's how it's meant to be. When you taste every component individually, it's not quite the same. That's a great way of great way of describing it. Now I totally get it. So it's what like we're doing a little is bit of date in there still. Too. Really? Oh, yeah, so you're maybe, pulling maybe that out. Not. That's good. That's good. Wow. Um, so what got you started doing these deconstructions? Where did that idea come from? This is something that came from within our ambassador team. There's five of us for Glenfiddich now in the U.S., and we, we brainstorm every once in a while to find out how we can bring something new to the table. And, for example, we, we also do this with the 15-year-old Glenfiddich, where we sample mm-hmm. the sherry cask, the bourbon cask, and the new charred American oak. Um, if you add me at, at Facebook, just look for Glenfiddich Dave. That's typically how I present or, or promote the events that I'm doing. So okay. just, just Glenfiddich Dave, and then... Uh, Every time I go to another city, I'll post a few days before, and I'll, I'll explain to people that we have an event. You can get in touch with me. We will also uh, link to you from our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash sip, smoke, and savor. We invite you to come and, uh, and you know, friend us or follow or like or whatever you do with things like this on Facebook. But, <laughs> uh, but we will link you directly to uh, Glenfiddich Dave, too, as well. So if you're trying to remember too many things, um, there's, that'll, that'll maybe help you out a little bit. Well, this is really interesting, uh, delicious, and quite an experience. And so when we come back, we're going to taste, and then what are we tasting after this? We're actually going to taste the rum that we use to season the casks. Oh, now now I'm really intrigued. So, uh, Dave, Cruz being the fan of rum. Yeah. David from uh, Glenfiddich is here, and uh, we are Sip, Smoke, and Savor. Uh, craft beer, craft spirits, and fine cigars. We shall return. It's Sip, Smoke, and Savor. 
craft beer, craft spirits, and fine cigars. And we have enjoyed some fine spirits here uh, on this show so far. Uh, we had the deconstructed version of the uh, 21 year uh, Glenfiddich. And uh, Dave from Glenfiddich is here. Uh, Dave, what are we tasting now? So we tasted the the twenty one year old before it goes into the rum cask. Mm-hmm. So finishing in Scotch whiskey is a common thing, and, and this is a rum cask finish. So instead of just buying a rum cask from the Caribbean, mm-hmm. we actually bring in some rum to Scotland because we couldn't get the consistency of casks. So we bring the rum to Scotland. It's a blend of three different golden rums. It gets shipped up to Scotland to the distillery, and we fill some empty ex bourbon barrels, some American oak barrels with the rum. And it seasons the rum. The rum comes out. The 21-year-old Glenfiddich goes in. And then we leave that for a few months. And it picks up a little bit of influence from the rum. And then we have a 21-year-old rum cask. So at the time that the uh, whiskey goes in, at the time the scotch goes in, it's already 21 years. Yes. And, and then you're adding a few months inside the rum exactly. cask as well. It's, it's a finishing period. <clears throat> I'm glad to see that casks uh, are seeing so many. I mean, this is the ultimate in recycling, yes. if you think about it. And it's also good to know that the barrels are good for something besides my grandma planting tomato plants. And then they'll get know. sold back to the U.S. for people to do cast-conditioned beers in. Yes, that's right. And there's a lot of that going it on right now. happens a lot. So, yes, it's yeah, going so, back and we'll, We, I believe, tasted one of those uh, just last week, didn't That's we? right. Yeah. So so what's the second thing we're tasting here? So this is just this a bit the, of fun. We get to taste the rum. This is, this is the actual rum. Yeah. Uh-huh. So this is what you use. You get it shipped to uh, Scotland, uh, and it goes into the barrels. How long does it stay in the barrels to do the conditioning? Uh, usually four, five, six months. Four, five, six months. Then it comes back out, and then you put the- Is, uh, is that time contingent upon uh, uh, the distiller who's tasting it? Yeah, they sample it just to make sure that right. it's at the right level. But And how thirsty he is? The, is that no. part of it? <laughs> well, the one the one thing I just want to make sure that nobody thinks is we we are not adding rum to the whiskey. Right. There's not rum in the no, whiskey. It's, it's simply what's being used to condition right. the casks. Yes, right. And that's completely fine. We're allowed to use ex-bourbon barrels, ex-sherry casks, ex-rum mm-hmm. casks. It just so happens that we do the seasoning of the rum cask on site. And this is all about how those particular spirits absorb into the wood. And then once the uh, scotch goes in that the scotch will absorb some of those flavors from the wood. And that's right, and only for months, so you from. get a finish on it, not a right. big flavor profile. And exactly. we, were, we were doing this with a Havana rum back mm-hmm. in 2001, and we actually tried to change that eventually, and then we opted for a Caribbean blend of rums. You, you said again this is a blend of three rums? Three different rums in the Caribbean, uh, not brand specific. It's really just to the spec of the flavor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I've had a lot of rum drinkers tell me after they've tasted this that they really rate this highly. Well, that's really spectacular. Now, it's definitely a rum. Yeah. But it it plays on the palate and on the on the throat a little more like uh, a scotch or a whiskey. It's it's an it's, interesting contrast. It's not as upfront with the spice like a lot right. of the rums that right. you brought in, as well, a matter I'm a, of fact. Well, I'm a fan so. of the spicy rums. So. Right, so this yeah. has a little less on that upfront. Mm-hmm. Also, it's a, but it's it's a real also, pretty color, too. It's also not quite as upfront as even when we had uh, our friend Ian from Great Dane um, Distillery. Right. The, uh, Grateful Dane, I'm Grateful sorry. Dane, right. Uh, Grateful Dane Distillery, who brought in his silver, which is excellent, but it is much more upfront. Yes. This is This is almost nothing upfront. And then you hit that really lovely middle, and of yeah. course the finish is great too. But you get wow. smells great too, though. Mm. Smell mm. that uh, the molasses and sugar right up front. Yeah, it's but it's all middle and finish, and then which one, is a really interesting experience. 
And then once you taste the 21-year-old mm-hmm. out of the bottle that you can actually buy, you get such a slight version uh, or hint of that rum. And mm-hmm. you don't want to be drinking a rum that tastes of Scotch whiskey. You want to be tasting a, a beautiful Scotch whiskey that has just a yeah. little hint of that that influence mm-hmm. from that other spirit. That's And whoever came up, were these things discovered by accident? Or so, was it just the brilliant mind of a distiller somewhere that said, I know what we'll do? We know exactly where the first instance of a bottled, finished Scotch whiskey was. It was Balvenie. Our mm-hmm. next door neighbour back in 1983, the Balvenie Classic was released, and it was the first ever finished whiskey. It was a sherry cask finished whiskey. There was some conversation back and forth whether um, which distiller was first, but David Stewart um, was our malt master for Balvenie back mm-hmm. in 1983, and he was the first person to actually bottle a finished whiskey. And now, of course, these days there's all kinds of experimentation. Yeah, we had the uh, mm-hmm. the La Santa, the Glenmorangie La yes. Santa, a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. It was nice. And that was quite good, actually. Glenmorangie are also known for doing finishes, yeah. um, as Balvenie are leaning very heavily on that style of uh, process. But it's it's very interesting. It makes it it makes uh, opens the door for a lot more innovation in the Scotch whisky world. Now, let me ask you a question about uh, Scotch. There's such a mystique or a um, sort of a, a, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, but there's such grandeur assigned to single malt scotch. Right. Because it's the, uh, you know, you mentioned that uh, earlier in the show that single malt basically just means one distillery. Yes. And there can be some blending to achieve the the sort of consistency of flavor that the distiller is looking for as long as it's all coming from uh, the same distillery. How do distillers look at the blended scotches and the blended whiskies. Is it considered a lesser thing and the single malts are more pure? Because that's a little bit of like the more scotch elitist uh, viewpoint, I think. But uh, but what do distillers think? Because I'm wondering if they think, yeah, they blend it until they get the right flavor and it's a good thing. Yeah, I think blended whiskey is typically going to be a little bit on the lighter side. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a grain whiskey component, which in Scotland is typically made using uh, wheat. Mm-hmm. But it's a different process of distillation in a column still is how green whiskey is made. And, and the spirit that comes from there is very light in style. Mm-hmm. So a blended Scotch whiskey typically is made up of about two-thirds of the green whiskey. And then the blenders will combine many different casts of malt whiskey to create this specific, a specific blend, flavor. Blend of flavor. For, yeah. Now, the single malt whiskeys, uh, the distilleries, can blend many casks from their distillery. But it's all malt whiskey. And malt mm-hmm. whiskey is known to be very, very flavorful right. and, and complex. So, but each to their own. Irish whiskey is fantastic. It's triple distilled, so it's a little bit lighter. Uh, bourbon is made from mostly corn, uh, and it's a little bit more direct and sweet. So whiskey is phenomenal in, in many different forms. Single malt Scotch whiskey, the way I describe that to people, especially people that are new to, to Scotch whiskey, is single stands for one distillery, malt stands for malted barley, and Scotch means it's better. <laughs> so I would just like to point out, in the interest of, I just want you to know yeah. he delivered that with a completely straight face, <laughs> completely, by the way. completely. <laughs> and I wanted to point out too that, in the interest of you know, uh, you know, relations from peoples around the world, that it was here on this show today that we had a uh, Scotsman actually basically giving a really friendly shout out recognition to the Irish. So this is a you know this is a good uh, you'll we're notice do, we're doing our part for uh for relations. <laughs> we're bringing the world together. That's right. You'll notice I didn't mention the English. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, gosh. Oh, and on that note, let's try a Mexican IPA. Yes. Now, uh, David, one of our uh, things Speaking that we do. Speaking of the English, yes. here's a Mexican IPA. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, all right. Give me a hush. Yes. Oh, nice. That was, uh, that was very good. And there's, <laughs> and there's the sound effects box. I love it. Uh, David, one of the rules of the show is that uh, when you come on and, uh, and display your wares, as you've done such a great job of today uh, with Glenn Fittick, we also ask you to join us in tasting the other items that we're tasting on the show. And what we're tasting here is a, an, interesting, uh, an interesting idea. Ian thinks you may have tasted this before. I'm not sure that I have. It's a, I don't think I tasted it. I think I spoke with the brewery. It's a Mexican IPA from the Texas Beer Refinery. They're from Dickinson, Texas. And I believe this has, and you might look on the bottle, Ian, because you're uh, doing the opening and pouring, but I believe this has a hint of lime. Is that correct this already? A, in it? Maybe that's what makes it a Mexican A IPA? Mexican-style IPA brewed with key limes. A be- brewed with key limes. So that was key what, limes. when I was standing in the store trying to figure out what we were going to taste, that was what... That was what drew me into this one. Was okay, it has a handwritten lines. date on it as well. I noticed this is a that, small which <laughs> reminded me of our friends at Eureka Heights. Right. We had the handwritten uh, stuff on the cans when they came in on uh, last week's show. Yeah, so, even their labels uh, were handwritten. There. So, so I have not tried this. You uh, might have before, but uh, but let's uh, let's take a taste here, guys, and see what see what we think of this particular uh, yeah, the, Mexican IPA. The bottle's kind of fun. It's got a a lady with a. A senorita. A senorita, yes, mm-hmm. with a uh, tulip glass, and she's squeezing a lime into a glass of beer, it looks like. Which, is, which I always I always like lime in beer. I know there's some beer purists who, who hate uh, that You know, idea, I'm not but, the uh, biggest fan of adding fruit to my beer, mm-hmm. just because I feel like the beer mostly should stand on its own. Mm-hmm. There's certain beers, though. That with a little, I think there's lime. certain beers that you have to have lime. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll go there. I think some some beers that are really commonly. Uh, uh, you add lime to that. I think that's there's a reason for it. It's well, kind of like the cold activated can. It's an early warning system. Well, I will say this <laughs> does not strike me as a beer that would have to have it, but I do like the flavor of key lime that's on the finish of this. And I know that sounds like it might be too tart uh, for a beer, but it's actually quite good. David, what do you think? I like it. Um, first instinct was, or first impression was, the flavor is great, mm-hmm. but maybe a little thin on the overall body of it I, yeah it doesn't have agree. a lot of middle a, to it it's a it's a almost seems like it would be a more easy drinking uh sessionable kind of beer than the sort of loftier heavier ipa uh sort of a vibe but i have a tendency to like those beers so um, yeah the flavor is nice up front um and it's got a little bit of a linger in the finish too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i would i would pay for that yeah, Absolutely. yeah. Uh, it's a it's a really uh, this came in a bomber i've not seen this in cans or or uh, regular sized bottles uh, but I I thought it looked interesting and and it really is interesting now. Of course, I'm the IPA guy, and you're you're a little different. You're I like overall, more malty beers overall. Your overall take this is not quite as malty as what you like. No, I, but I will tell you also for an IPA, it's not as a hop up front mm-hmm. as I would imagine too. And so it does like for me, I like that because then it's not as. As, as bitter overall. It's definitely a, an interesting experience. I'm willing to bet it goes great with fajitas, though. I bet it I does. I bet it's in pretty fact, amazing I'm, I'm in, in, in that my, situation. In my mind, I'm thinking cheese enchiladas right now with some of that <laughs> right. some of that gravy. Oh, oh. Uh, we better take a break. i got to see if there's anything in the fridge. Uh, you're listening to Sip, Smoke, and Savor. Uh, back with one final uh, segment here. Our guest, uh, David Allardyce from Glenfiddich, and we will be tasting the Pumpkin Massacre beer in our uh, next segment as well. So... Stick around for that. 
It's Sip, Smoke, and Savor, craft beer, craft spirits, and fine cigars. A little uh, uh, tune from the Suffers as we bump back in. Very excited because I just bought tickets to see them again in nice. about a month. So really, really stoked about that. So that's if you haven't seen the Suffers live, I don't care what style of music you like. This band is so amazing. you yeah. got to check them out. Just absolutely awesome. So we're Sip, Smoke, and Savor. We are inviting you to join us at Whiskeys of the World, uh, downtown Houston on October the 1st. Uh, they are. It's going to be this huge event downtown at uh, the uh, Hyatt Regency. And if you are into whiskey as an aficionado, as a novice, uh, somewhere in between, it's an event you're going to absolutely love. You can taste whiskeys from everywhere. Whiskeys of the World is a very appropriate name for I'm this. I'm looking at it as an educational And I'm glad you are. I think yes. that's, that's how you should be looking at it. In fact, really, this whole show is just an educational kind of show, if you think about it. That's and right. We'll, we'll join with Whiskeys of the World. World in that uh, you know common that common desire and common goal to educate people everywhere. That's what we're all about. Plus, it's really fun to sample, and you can do that at uh, Whiskeys of the World as well. Uh, the, I understand there's going to be a cigar area. There's going to be uh, whole segments on pairings, and uh, and uh, you guys will be there too. The Glenfiddich guys will be there, correct? We'll be there. We're all we're always at the whiskey festivals. Yeah, yeah. So this this should be a lot of fun, and if you are anywhere in uh, the Houston area, you should absolutely attend it because it'll be it'll be well. Well, yes, twenty percent off for coupon code SSS. Yes, so let's Sip, give you smoke and savor. Yeah, let's give you that web address. Go to whiskeysoftheworld.com slash Houston and uh, use promo code SSS if it's still. Works. And by the way, hit us up at Facebook as well and mm-hmm. uh, let us know you're listening. You can send us uh, mail at uh, sipsmokeandsaver at gmail dot com, and you can find us directly at Facebook uh, by going to facebook dot com slash. Sip, smoke, and that's right. Savor, uh, David. Where uh, where do, are you reachable? What's the where do you send people when they want to know more about Glenfiddich? Well, the best place to go would be uh, to the Glenfiddich website, glenfiddich.com, and also on Facebook, Glenfiddich is there. The brand is represented as am I under Glenfiddich Dave. Glenfiddich Dave, and okay. Glenfiddich Dave. stands for Valley of the Deer. Just a little bit of information. Valley of the Deer. So that's why there's the deer uh, emblem on the Glenfiddich bottle. There right? are many whiskies from Scotland that begin with Glen. Mm-hmm. And Glen stands for Valley. Valley, right. And which makes the, sense. The, and we just happen to be located next to the River Fittick, which is uh, deer. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> and I always thought it was some like grand tradition family name, but it really means... We're the valley by the river. You know, and you mentioned you mentioned that Balvenie yeah. was your neighbor. So in my mind, this runs down that someone has to go next door every once in a while and borrow a cup of mart, uh, malt. <laughs> I, sorry, I totally just bombed the whole program with but, that. Hold but, on. But I think it was... <laughs> <laughs> I think hey, but we're going so well. I think it was well intentioned, Ian, and that's why uh, I tell you what: if you'll do a nice job of opening our uh, final beer today, we will uh, we will forgive you it's, the uh, the borrow a, a cup of malt joke. It's just as an incredibly strong Texan accent. <laughs> just had me lost a second there. <laughs> Uh, we are tasting a, uh, a, a seasonal beer, a fall beer. Uh, this is the Pumpkin Massacre, and it comes from Austin, Texas, from the uh, infamous brewing company. And Ian, I will be the first to admit, I don't know anything about There's so many breweries in the Austin area. I really don't know anything about infamous. Are you familiar with them at all? I have no idea. Yeah. They have so. a great label on this beer, though. It's got like a haunted house scene with a uh, a pumpkin patch and maybe a... 
cemetery right Almost outside. looks like the headless horseman and then the, the headless head is a pumpkin. Horseman. You know, yeah, uh, the the whole uh, headless horseman uh, Jack guy. makes me think of uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, Jack Skellington, that right, whole right, uh, right, sort right. of a vibe to it. Yeah. yeah um, so, and I like their label. You got the Lone Star, and it's in the middle of a, a six-barrel uh, chamber from a revolver. Who would have thought that Texas would be home to so many ultra-creative craft breweries. I mean, what I really like about uh, what seems to be happening in the state of Texas right now with craft brewers is that the breweries don't seem to just be doing, here's our IPA, here's our porter, here's our, you know, uh, here's our summer beer. There's, they're really coming up with some creative things, really kind of pushing the envelope uh, in a lot of ways. No, they're doing to bring, a lot of stuff. To bring trend. new styles, or, or maybe not new styles, but styles that have not been Even rehashing old styles. I've yeah. seen a lot of, uh, at the uh, festival, we saw a lot of gozas, and you hadn't seen those yes. in, in a long time. Yes, I remember. Except for some of the traditionally made ones. And then... Um, also, uh, you know, they, they tend to age beers a lot of different, like, we'll take this beer that we have readily available and do different agings, do different casks, those kind of things, mm-hmm. much like uh, Dave was talking about with the scotch. And so that's a lot of fun as well. So uh, Ian uh, came over. We uh, were out at the beach, and uh, Ian came over after the uh, brewery uh, event, which we'll, I want to talk about that a little before the show's over. Uh, but Ian came over, and we were sitting around outside, and it really was just like the show. Like, we were having a cigar, and Ian was like, okay, you want to do a taster? You want to split this with me? And he'd come back from the refrigerator, and I'd be like, okay, what are we having? And he's describing <laughs> it to me. It's just like this, except there was no, uh, there were no microphones. Uh, so, Ian, you are the first to taste uh, the Pumpkin Massacre from uh, Infamous Brewing Company. What do you think? Uh, this is probably one of the better pumpkin ales that I've tried because it's not so pumpkin up front. It's got a nice hint of pumpkin. It's oh, like a nice, yes, you're right. A it's, stout it's, with pumpkin flavor, but not, not just it's way more up on, front. It's more on the middle and maybe the finish is where you get the right, pumpkin instead right. of up front. And you're right. So many uh, pumpkin ales. Really, what they have is that I don't know what I call it the pumpkin spice. I'm not sure what spice it is. It's cinnamon and something, yeah. But it's what they put in pumpkin pie that it's, is the main. It's flavor right out of that pie. package that you get yeah. in the dry packet. Exactly. Like, let's just mix this kind of exactly. <laughs> but uh, but this strikes me as being much more subtle, David. What do you think? I've got to admit, it's better than I expected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the only thing I usually like in, in pumpkin is is a pumpkin pie. Right. <laughs> when I get pumpkin lattes and coffees and right, beers generally I, not that good i, I tend I, I not agree. to get turned on but that's yeah because nice. they make them way too sweet well yeah. that's that's actually one of the reasons i wanted to bring this in because we had not done anything because all the oktoberfest beers are out and all the you know the pumpkin ales and things are out and we'd not done anything like that and i was intrigued enough i'll, I'll admit it by the packaging on this and the fact that it was a brewery from the austin area that we had not tried yet and i thought you know why not let's let's take a shot I'm usually good for a small taste of mm-hmm. a pumpkin beer because mm-hmm. it's so sweet. This is outstanding. Yes. Like the more I drink this, the yep. more this is just a really good beer that happens to have a little pumpkin. You're with right. It. This is really like a stout that has some pumpkin vibe to it. It's, as it may be even a, more of a porter than a stout because yes, yes. it's not quite as thick, but You're it does correct. have a creaminess to it as well. Very mm-hmm. creamy. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's delicious. Wow! So big ups to uh, so Ian. We got to contact these yeah. guys and Infamous see if we can get them brewing, to come on the yes, show. Definitely, maybe bring uh, bring some of their other brews because this is a. If this is our introduction to these guys, I have to say thumbs up uh, for the first 
for the first tasting. That's that's really quite Pumpkin good. Pumpkin Massacre. And a great name and a great label. Yeah. So they spent some Absolutely time on love this. It. Hey, I want to uh, ask you about, uh, real quick, because we only get a couple minutes left in the show, what uh, what impressed you? Uh, what are your thoughts and, and takes on the Brewmasters Craft Beer Festival in Galveston that we both went to last So weekend? I want to address something uh, right up front on this. A lot of times when you go to these festivals, uh, you end up with, uh, they just hired a catering company to come in and serve mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and this was true at this festival as well for a lot of breweries, but I really appreciate when you walk up and you can talk to the person pouring your beer about their beer. There's someone from the actual crowd. Yeah, and, yeah, and I understand the limitations of we can only get one person here. And mm-hmm. so that's mm-hmm. understandable as well. So they have a couple of people serving, but you can talk to somebody about it. But there were a few booths there that were disappointing because you try to talk to them about it. Like, well, we're just here for you to try the beer and, and, mm-hmm. and had no idea about what was going on with it. So that was one disappointment that I get. I get that with a lot of festivals, and there's always some – Maybe there's some extraneous circumstances or ever or whatever, but I really did enjoy talking to a lot of the brewers and a lot of the employees. And there were a so, lot of them actually there. I don't want to give the them, impression. Yes, that no, there a lot of them yeah. were there, but there were just a few that were like, hmm. Um, but but I, I had a blast talking to the the brewers and the and the people that work at the marketing and everything else, and even some of the distributors mm-hmm. I met. Yeah, some of the distributors knew as much or more right. about the beer they than knew their people products, who work at you know? the at the breweries themselves. Even yes. to a, even to a crazy level, where if you're a distributor and you have twenty products, and you have to know everything about every one of them. So that was a blast too. That was a fun side of it to see. Plus, I got to try just tons of beers. There were, Tons of them up there. After a while, and I, I will say this in relation to Whiskeys of the World, too. You mentioned this earlier, and it's a really great idea. When you have something there and you go, wow, that's great. I want to think about maybe getting some of that later. You really do have to enter it in your phone or something. Yes. Because uh, there's Pictures so much that your, your your brain will uh, sort of blur it all together. And you go, uh, eventually you'll be going, man, what was that great summer ale that we tried? Mm-hmm. You know, and you, and you don't remember what it was. So it's really important to enter what's working on your palate. Right I, uh, I ended up uh, around the back side of the, uh, the, uh, the way they had to be. It was like a big circle, so I was kind of towards the back of the circle, and Goliad Brewing was there and we had Mark on this show Our while buddy back. Mark, yes. And he had done a full day. This was towards the end of the day. He had done a full day and he goes, you know what? I just want to break off and go try some beers. So I went around <laughs> I with him that. and that guy knows everybody. Like he knows it because he worked for a distributor he beforehand. He was in a distributor, yes, yes. And he knows everybody. So I had a blast walking around him just getting to meet all kinds of people in the industry. So that was that was a plus. And you know, here's that. something that I really love too. It's a guy who works for a particular uh, brewery and a really good one, by the way, Goliad. They make they make excellent excellent beers, but he's excited just about being there as a fanboy too. Yes, you know, as yes, uh, he's just much. as excited to go and hey man, I want to go try some beers and enjoy what other people have right. to offer and other breweries have to offer. And uh, it was it was a good event. I recommend it highly. It's not the first one of these that I've been to, but I, I definitely would would return. It's really I would good. love to say thanks so much for having Dave come out today. Yeah, Dave, this uh, I ha- really enjoyed. Uh, the Glenfiddich and also the rum that you brought us—that was a real treat. I, I didn't didn't expect that. This is a, this is fantastic. When we're looking for a Glenfiddich, is there a particular place people who haven't tried it yet? Where should they start? Everywhere sells it, but I recommend if you've had the twelve-year-old, the, yep. the, the green bottle, go up and try the fourteen or the fifteen. Jump to the fourteen or the fifteen. All right, great advice. We will see you at Whiskeys of the World, and we hope to see you guys there too. Have a great week, my friends. Cheers. It's sip, smoke, and savor on Radio Brave. Dave, thanks again. Great show, guys. Thank you.